Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. What is going on back with the Vigor Life Podcast? And uh, it's, it's been a minute since I've wanted to have uh, this man on the show. Uh, he is one of the top mental performance coaches in the world. So it's been, I'm, I'm glad that we're make, able to make it happen. Um, we're a little bit on a time crunch, which is great because I'm going to squeeze everything I can out of. You know what, you know what I thought about too, Brian? I said, listen, okay, if, if, if we got like uh, 50 to 55 minutes and you're, you are Yoda right now, right? And every listener is like, how can we bestow as much wisdom um, on the audience uh, about mental performance? And, mm. but I did, you know, be, before, before we get rolling, well, I, I actually personally just wanted to know um, how, how you got started with it, because it's been, you know, I've had this journey of, I was, you know, pro athlete to business owner and, and, um, you know, connecting the dots back mental performance is such a huge factor. And thankfully now more and more people get yeah. that they, it's, it's become like a lot more, um, when I say popular, I mean, like people understand how important it is yeah. back in the day. It was not nowhere close to what it is right now, but yeah. I, I really wanted to go like, man, what, what got you into this side of, uh, I would say of performance. Yeah, it's real simple, man. I grew up in a small town in Massachusetts and I was a three sport athlete, football, basketball, baseball player. I was a quarterback, six foot, one and a half center on the hoop team. You can tell I went to a small high school, right? <laughs> and uh, you became like the best snowboarder in Mexico. So as you're going through this, you know, I'm playing high school sports, you think you're good. And I get a scholarship to go to the University of Vermont. I go there, I'm a division one college baseball pitcher on the biggest scholarship in the program. And I fail tremendously. And I fail not because I'm not working hard, not because I don't have the right attitude, it's because I was focused literally on things I could not control and to use exercise physiology. I was a guy who would go run eight to 10 miles a day as a pitcher. The worst thing you can do. I wondered why my fastball went from 88 to 82 because I was recruiting all slow twitch muscle fibers and changing myself from being an athlete who never worked out. So everything I did was competitive and sprint to a guy who ran because they were said you need to throw with your legs. The next thing you know, I'm a cross country runner who's throwing 82 and has got no explosive ability whatsoever. Drove me crazy. So I ended up you know, uh, being a guy who was an exercise physiology, phys ed major, I'm like, all right, well, if I get more external rotation in my arm, I'll throw harder. So I got this, you know, cute physical therapy student that lives next door to me and I'm over there and she's cranking on my arm, bro. She's trying to get more external and internal rotation every night I'm over there. And next thing you know, I got, I have a labral, a labral issue. So I have shoulder surgery, baseball careers over. Basically I'm like, all right, well, what do I want to do? Well, I've always wanted to be a coach. My high school football coach, John Allen, who was an athletic director, phys ed teacher, the guy poured into me. And if it wasn't for him, I'd literally probably be dead. So I remember clear as day, Luca, I'm at, I'm at a Barnes and Noble, a Barnes and Noble across from Fenway Park in Boston on July 4th. I went to the University of Vermont, drove down there for the holiday. And I'm in there with a buddy who's getting a postcard. This is 2000 now, right? And he's sending a postcard back to his family from being in Boston. And I go pick up a book, Heads Up Baseball, by a guy named Ken Revisa. Say that that day and that moment changed my life would be the understatement of the century. I got the dude's face tattooed on my chest. My daughter's oh, middle name is Kendall. And I have a give, give a copy of the book to every baseball player that comes over to my house now in Scottsdale, Arizona. I read the book, couldn't put the shit down. And I send him an email when I get back to Vermont to say, hey, man, um, your book is incredible. Like when you open it up, there's these black boxes for anybody who's an author on this, right? There's these little black boxes that basically give you the cliff notes of the book as you go through it, right? So I'm, I'm reading the cliff notes and going, man, if you're the guy, everyone said you got to learn how to relax, but no one's taught you how this book is for you sold, bought it. You got to be in control of yourself before you can control your performance. No one ever taught me how to be in control of myself. People said, you got to learn how to relax. No one taught me how to do it. My whole mentality was if more was good, a lot more is better. doesn't work that way. So I buy the book. I send, I go back, I send them an email. Next thing you know, I'm going to Cal State Fullerton from Vermont to do my master's in sports psychology because my plan is to still go back to Mount Greylock High School and be a phys ed teacher, football, baseball coach, and maybe be an AD. And if I got a master's, well, I'm going to get paid more. And if I can get a master's in heads up baseball, and oh, by the way, be a grad assistant coach at Cal State Fullerton, who's at the time the best college baseball program in the country, why not? So I go out there. And, and I don't realize it at the time, but I am doing my master's with literally Yoda, the godfather of sports psychology, the guy who took all the bullets in creating a system and worked 30 years in mental performance of Major League Baseball when people thought if you worked with a mental performance coach, you were screwed up. Now, if you don't work with a mental performance coach, you ain't committed. 
right? They see mental performance. Athletes see mental performance like I have a hitting coach. I have a strength coach. I have a nutrition coach. I have a mental coach, right? It's totally accepted now and normal. And if you're not doing it, you're falling behind those who do. So, but that wasn't that way when Ken, Ken Revisa was doing it. Like he would, he would, people would say, oh, you're fucked up. Go work with the mental performance coach. When it's like, no, man, you just want to be great. Go work with that guy. So he ends up linking up with Joe Madden in like 1980 when Madden is a hitting coach of the Angels. Joe Madden and Ken Revisa were arm in arm on the fire truck when the Cubs won the World Series in 2016 and reversed the curse in Chicago. So Revisa, when he passed away in 2018, was the godfather of sports psychology. Well, when I left Cal State Fullerton after the 2003 season where we finished third in the country, we lose to Stanford in the College World Series. I'm sitting on the curb of Rosenblatt Stadium crying, going, what am I going to do with my life? I got $900 in my bank account. I got a master's degree. I got no job. What am I going to do? Phone rings. Troy Parody, Champlain Valley Union High School in Vermont. He goes, hey, Brian, we got a phys ed job opening up. Congrats on a great run. Saw you guys in the World Series. You got any interest? Fly home two days later, go interview, get the job. And I spend the 2003-04 school year teaching high school health and phys ed in Vermont. I become a high school AD for the 4-5 for the school year. Well, in 04, so 03, I'm in College World Series. 04, Fullerton wins it all. Their pitching coach goes to UC Irvine to be the head coach. And in the 04-05 school year, when I'm an AD, I start flying to California once a month to work with his team because he's like, we can't afford Ken Revisa, but we can afford to fly you out once a month. Come work with us. So I start working with him. That summer, he's on the Team USA staff with the head coach from Vanderbilt and the head coach from TCU. Well, Vanderbilt has a pitcher named David Price, Cy Young Award winner. TCU has a pitcher named Jake Arrieta, Cy Young Award winner. TCU has a, client, a, a left-handed hitter named Matt Carpenter, currently playing for the San Diego Padres. I'm going to see him in San Diego tomorrow. And I'm 90 minutes south of Montreal, and I'm working with a UFC fighter from Vermont named Tom Murphy from The Ultimate Fighter 2, who trains yep. with George St. Pierre. So I start going to Montreal to watch Tom train. He introduces me to GSP right after he gets beat by Matt Sarah. We start working together. Tom's coach on the ultimate fighter Two, rich franklin i start working with rich franklin that's how i get connected to joel jameson here you and i are now on this podcast <laughs> so how i got into mental performance was i couldn't get anybody out in college baseball and i went looking for answers and i found those answers in heads up baseball and i became obsessed with that part of coaching because that's what i needed i didn't need how do you throw a curveball i didn't need like well, your pitching mechanics i needed how do you control the things you can control how do you create confidence out of thin air because it's a choice and how how do you go out there and focus solely on the execution of that moment and that job in the present instead of trying to win a game, win a pitch? And I've been able to take that and what I learned from Ken Revisa studying under him for two years, and I've been able to make a career out of it for the last 20. Man, that was uh, the best breakdown of how you guys started of all time, possibly. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I get excited <laughs> talking about it, man. Man, I love it. No, that's, that's, that's how I know, right? Like, I can't talk about coaching and training without getting fired up, you know, yeah. and, and that's, that's what it tells me about it. But there's a couple of things I want to touch on. I mean, one, one is I love the way that you explain it. Cause what I tell to people is everybody kind of understands the you know, physical performance. Like, listen, mm -hmm. I get in a weight room, I lift more weight, I get stronger, but like, I'm like, you got to get into the weight room for mental performance, right? Cause you got yeah. physical, you got mental, you got emotional. And you said a thing. And I think that one's, I, I want to extract and pull that one out of you. Cause uh, I think it helps everybody, whether it's, you know, high level performance athletes, but a lot of people in general pop clients too, that say this, right. Building confidence. You said, how do you pull and build confidence out of thin air? And mm -hmm. I, I wanted to start there before digging into like more of the principles of mental performance. And what are these kind of like building blocks of getting strong in the mental gym? That's the first one I wanted to touch on. Cause I think it's one that people ask themselves all the time. Like, how do I dot, 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 you know, fill in the blank of yeah. build my confidence up. Yep. The two questions I get the most, how do we become more consistent and how do I compete with more confidence? And those two things go hand in hand because the ultimate place that confidence comes from is preparation. The second place it comes yep. from is production. The mistake that most athletes make though, is they think they have to get the production first before they can act and behave confident. And George St. Pierre uh, who I cornered for, not cornered, cornered for some fights, but worked with, right? Corner worked with for 10 years since Matt Sarah until he beat Michael Bisming and taps the 185 pound crown to retire. One of the things that George would talk about is he'd say confidence is a choice. And the way you make confidence a choice 
and we teach this in our in our coaches certification and 30 day athletes program is body language focus in self-talk your body language you have to act different than how you feel the biggest improvement can come from not letting your results dictate how you feel or how you act not letting how you feel dictate how you act but letting how you act change how you feel and this is all backed up with research by amy cuddy a social psychologist at harvard her book yep. presence she's got a ted talk called the science and power of body language seen by over 70 million people and what she goes into is if you power pose and you stand big, it's why I like doing these calls standing up is you get an increase in testosterone and decrease in cortisol. So if, when I start working with GSP for the Josh Koscheck site fight UFC 74, August of 2006, his first fight after the Matt Sarah loss, what do we do at 10 o'clock in the morning on the Saturday fights? We go to the locker room and we practice how you're going to walk into the cage, get up in the cage and what you're going to do simulate shadow work not just the shadow boxing but the shadow entering the cage and what you're going to do and i remember literally being on the back of the cage and he's sitting there just like we did that morning where he's popping walking back and forth looking across at koscheck acting different than how he feels because he's nervous and scared he's that he would say he's the first like high level athlete to go yeah i get nervous and scared before fights but because i admit it i use that fear as fuel mm. and when i admit that i'm afraid i decentralize and i desensitize myself to that fear and if you get into high level performance Navy SEALs, UFC fighters, Major League Baseball pitchers. I got four Sayonara winners, eight UFC world champions, a Heisman Trophy winner, a Super Bowl MVP. They'll all say the same thing. Fear and confidence are not mutually exclusive. They live together at the same time. You choose confidence with your body language. The second thing is your focus. Your focus has to be on when, what's important now. This pitch, this play, this podcast, not the construction going on outside of my house, not the fact that the internet wire might've gotten cut in my house and I'm going off of my phone, not the fact that my wife's in the house trying to work and there's no internet, so she's gonna have to figure that out while I'm out here doing this, right? You have to stay locked into the present moment and focus on what's important now. Kirby Smart, football coach at Georgia, right? Back-to-back -back NCAA football national champions. Their staircase that goes down out to the practice facility, the little wall that you'd walk underneath their Notre Dame play like a champion today, says win, what's important now? So body language is big. Focuses on what's important now. And then your self-talk is specific, aggressive, and directed to what you want to do. The strategy we use is called the three keys to keep it simple. For example, Sean Casey, who's a lifetime 300 hitter, Major League Baseball analyst for the MLB Network, he would say, see the ball, be easy, hammer it. That's what he was saying when he was cleaning out the batter's box. That's what he was saying when he was looking at a pitcher, right? Working with a guy right now who's a captain of one of the teams in the NHL that just moved on to the second round. He would say, be vocal, be present, be physical. And literally, when he tapes his stick before the game, he will take a Sharpie and next to his kid's initials, he will write down, be vocal, be present, be physical. And that reminds him and sets his self-talk that every time he is getting ready to go over the boards, he'll take a deep breath, checking on his body language and say, be vocal, be present, be physical. And then he goes and he, and he competes for that one shift, realizing I'm not trying to win a series. I'm not trying to win a Stanley cup. I'm not trying to win a game. I'm trying to win this shift. But that's the thing is what you're bringing up is so, so, so important because you're meant, you got a strategy, but how important is it? And like, is this something that, you know, you coach where you go like, look, are you practicing the reps of this thing? Mm. Right. Because, at the end of the day, like you've practiced reps a certain way and it's probably not working for you, right? That's why you got to improve mental performance to, yeah. to a certain degree. Do you, like, do you have a structure where you go like, listen, like you're going to schedule this, like you schedule your, you know, shooting practice in basketball. You're going to schedule this, like you schedule your, you know, creating content work, whatever it may be. Cause if you, yeah. if you want to improve this shit, like you have to put in the reps yeah. in this. Yeah. Is, so that, is that something? hundred percent. If you understand behavior design, right. And this comes out of Stanford and BJ Fogg, who's, who's like an expert on habits. He'd say behavior equals MAP, B equals map behavior equals motivation, ability, prompt. You look at any of the work by Charles Duhigg in the, in uh, the, the power of habit, trigger, routine, reward, right? The thing that guys need to have. And then when I build this intentionally into my coaching is if you want someone to be consistent with, with their body language, or let's say in the case consistent with their three keys, you got to set a trigger for them. So here's what I do with my major league baseball guys today, right now, is they have a pregame and a postgame journal. So when they get to the field and they go changing out of their street clothes and they put on their t-shirt, their sliders and their shorts, that's the flip of the switch from dad into baseball mode. That's the flip of the switch from anything I got going on outside of this stadium does not matter. And what matters is today's game. It doesn't matter if I got chaos in my personal life, if I'm dealing with an injury, dealing with a divorce, dealing with a sick kid, I got to go perform and do a job. 
So I got to separate who outside the field where I'm going to address all those issues and do going to compete. When I put the uniform on, I'm like Michael Myers, a stone cold stoic killer. I'm void of emotion. And I get into what I need to do that night to prepare to compete. And one of the things they do after they put that uniform on is they grab a journal. And in that journal, they write down the first thing they put down is the date the other team and the picture they're facing. Then they write down their three keys to keep it simple. Then they write down three affirmation statements. Everyone's affirmation statements would be different. One player I just talked with today was, uh, I compete one pitch at a time. I control what I can control, let go of what I can't. I'm the best catcher in Major League Baseball. Then post-game, they write down what were three wins, three gratitudes, and then they do what they call a start, stop, continue. Based off of today's performance, what do I got to start doing? What do I got to stop doing? What do I got to continue doing? So that's like their trigger to come in and out. I talk about an hourglass. I funnel in, I do my task, I come out. I come in, I play that pitch, I come out. I come in and transition to the baseball player. I am the baseball player. I come out and we build triggers within that hourglass, right? So for example, three keys, I write them down pregame. Three keys, I take a piece of tape and put it in my helmet. When I put my helmet on, I say my three keys. When I go walk into home plate and I take my first three steps with my hand on the barrel of the back, because that's where I crush baseballs, I'm getting aggressive under control. My first three steps, I say, see the ball, be easy, hammer. When I cornered Cowboy Cerrone for fights, it would be start fast, finish strong, push the pace. And like work the takedown, whatever his three keys were for that fight, I'd be standing back there like behind the curtain and we would be saying those things. And if you watch when he beats KJ Noons and he gets interviewed in the octagon after the fight, his quote, first thing he says is, man, I've been working hard at starting fast, finishing strong and having fun out there. <laughs> Literally says his three keys covered in the other guy's blood in the octagon after the fight. So like you can tell it makes a difference when they get interviewed and it's raw and it's real and it's not scripted. And it's the first thing they talk about because it's the first thing that's on their mind. It sounds. It sounds like uh, it, it, as you were saying this, it popped. Something popped up for me. That it's almost you know when you talk about triggers, it's like this alter ego, hmm. and you know like trigger on alter ego. I do my thing. Yeah. Now how like here's a question too. Like we look at it for for an athlete. Okay, game's over. Turn it back. Yeah. Become dad. Become yeah. husband. Become yeah. something else. For somebody that's for example, um, let's call them an executive athlete. Yep. Right. And they go into business work. I mean, is this the same? Is there a, a, a basically the format is similar, but maybe it's not a game. Maybe it's like, you know, you got to be on for four five, six hours yep. and do something. Is it that same philosophy of the alter same. kind of alter ego? Same philosophy. And there's actually a book called The Alter Ego alter by ego a guy effect. named Todd Herman. Right. right. And he talks about the alter ego as being able to flip the switch on and off. Right. And and that's exactly the same thing. So, so I had a conversation yesterday. I was in Illinois this weekend talking to 200 high school athletic directors from Illinois. I said, when you put that polo on, with that school logo on, or if I'm talking to people in real estate, when you put that tie or that suit, or you get dressed up to go to work that day, right? Whatever your, your item is, you're walking in and you got your briefcase or whatever it is you're going in to show that house with, you are putting on a performance. You are a competitor. When you get done that day and you take off your uniform, metaphorically, whatever it is for you, for me, it's my hat with my name on it. And when the hat gets taken off, I'm going to be dad. And I got a 13 month old girl who I adore and I go in there and I become the lamb instead of the lion, right. To take to steal that from Vitor Belfort. And, but that's it. It's the same process. How do I funnel in, be where I need to be. And then coming it out of that. Man, I love that. No, like piggybacking on this. Cause we touched on one of the things. If you said, okay, I got that. That's why I said from the beginning, right? Like your Yoda, you got a short amount of time. The most powerful of the principles for most people it's almost, you know, the 2080 rule. Like what's yep. the 20% that really gets people 80% ahead when it comes to mental performance? Because yep. I know, um, and I wanted to bring that up and we'll bring it up more because you got the best cert out there, um, the MPM certification, which is phenomenal. We'll talk about that a little bit at the end. But it's kind of like, okay, cool. Like if I could get the 20% that people, if they started practicing it and putting it into their lives, like what would those things be? And obviously we've already talked about one of them. But yeah. what are some other things that we could stack on top of that that would help people day to day perform better in their lives, whatever that may be? Yeah, let me let me let me take it up one level and and give a give a framework so people understand the, our philosophy of, of mental performance development. Okay? okay, you do drills as an athlete. You do drills 
to develop certain skills that you need to succeed with a skill set, skill sets, a collection of skills. If I'm in sales, I do training, which we would call drills in athletics, to develop the skills I need to be successful at sales, to have the salesperson skill set. If I'm a quarterback, I do drills to develop the skills I need, arm strength, reaction, lateral movement to make the quarterback skill set. Okay, simple concept. If you understand that, understand that what, what I do with the certification and the athletes I work with, like body language, focus, and self-talk, like the three keys to keep it simple, is I give them drills to develop 10 mental skills that make the mental toughness skill set. So the 10 mental skills, elite mindset, motivation and commitment, focus and awareness, self-control and discipline, process over outcome, meditation and mental imagery, routines and habits, time management and organization, leadership, and the right culture. So depending on who I'm working with, you can start with any one of those 10 skills. If you're saying, Kaner, take all the drills that you do to develop all those 10 skills, give me one, what's it going to be? This would be it. Do a little, a lot, not a lot, a little. I think I want to touch on some that I, I, I hear a lot, and I think people still haven't wrapped their uh, head around maybe, you know, what's the best way to get the most out of it, like motivation and commitment. I mean, this, this one comes up, a lot, just like we talked about confidence, but motivation and commitment. Yeah. Uh, let's put a magnifying glass on that one. Sure. Yeah. The biggest thing is motivation comes after movement begins. Stop mm -hmm. waiting until you feel motivated to get started and get started and you will feel motivated. The hardest part about training to do the lighthouse 100 mile run that I did was getting my shoes on and getting out that door. That was the hardest part. I didn't like running until I started running for two to three miles and I would find, find it and, and I would like it. Right. So just know Know that it's the start that stops most people and know that motivation comes after movement begins. And also know that every day, every day, you got to recommit to your commitments. So a drill that we use here to help with motivation and commitment, but it, all, a lot of some of these drills, Luca, they tie into like all 10 pillars. And my favorite drill is the success checklist. The success checklist creates clarity of what to do, accountability when I share it with a coach, and support because people can see what I'm doing and give me support around what I'm doing with that checklist. So for example, every athlete I work with on my phone, I have an app that we use called Habit Share. And Habit Share is the success checklist. So I can see, I can see exactly what, what people are doing. And if they check a box green, it means they did the behavior. If they check it red, they didn't. If they check it gray, they didn't need to. So when I'm prescribing, to use a strength conditioning industry term, when I'm prescribing sets and reps to my clients, hey, mental imagery for 10 minutes using this audio, five days a week. Shadow bullpen, you're throwing a baseball with no ball to work on body language, focus, visualization. You're gonna do that four days a week for, for three hitters. When you're watching your mind movie, a personal highlight video I make for you with words of affirmation that come on the screen with music that you like, you're gonna do that six days a week. When you're going through my 30-day athletes program for 10 minutes a day, looking at your notes, seven days a week, all 30 days of the month, you can take the 31st day of the month off, right? And I'm giving that to them. I can then look and see whether they're doing it or not. And that's been the hardest thing is in mental performance, how do I create data? How do I create weight on a bar to be able to evaluate, am I getting stronger, right? It's very subjective. It's very um, quantitative in the sense, no. Well, I get confused between quantitative and qualitative. It's the one where that you inter interview them and they give you what's really going on, right? It's in a survey with data. I think it's yep. called quantitative. I don't know. I've been out of academics for a little bit. But when you when you do that interview, an athlete say, yeah, I'm competing with more confidence. I'm more consistent. I can handle the adversity better. I had something to go to when the shit hit the fan and it's going to. I knew how to get back into the present moment more quickly and not give away plays or pitches. You know it's working. That doesn't, you don't get that on a radar gun. You don't yep. get that by putting them on a bench. So some of the analysis or evaluation, the analytics of is this working is very subjective because it's interview. But the thing I like about this is I can look at the thousand athletes or so that I'm working with that I have in here. And I can tell when I get on a call with them, the ones that are 80% green get better results than the guys who don't stick with it. It's simple. It's no different than you as a coach saying, well, shit, yeah, the guys that follow my exercise training program and the ones that do what I'm asking them to do consistently are going to get results because the proof is in the process. Stopping here for a second because I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Vergaro. And check this out. So last year I went to speak at Iconic 22, which is an event that Vergaro puts on. Didn't quite know anything about them. Absolutely fell in love with the way that I was treated. And I was like, man, if they treat me like this, how are they treating their clients? So I started digging into their company, their software, and I was absolutely blown away to a degree. 
that. I started recommending it. We're starting to use it and it's on a whole nother level. So it's the leading in booking and management app for any size business, whether you're a solopreneur, you own a single gym or multiple gym locations, right? And again, they're also new partner of Vigor Life Podcast. And we're gonna keep bringing you more insight and knowledge to help you reach your business goals, both physically and fiscally, right? So keep tuning in, tell a friend. And if you wanna check them out and get a free month of their software, trust me, it's the best I've seen around. Check out their website, vagaro.com forward slash pro. Again, check out their website, vagaro.com forward slash pro and you can get a free month and i'm telling you this is going to be the best management system you've ever used crm you've ever used billing system you've ever used now here's 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 the thing too because there's there can be such a big shift in what you give somebody that's just the right dose for them and, it, yeah. and it's like is that the same thing that you see with mental performance right if somebody comes in Hey, they're just starting off. I'm like, look, we're going to do seven days a week of training, three high intensity conditioning. So they can't handle that. Or like, hey, we're going to completely revamp your nutrition. And they just, it's it's too much, right? It's on mm-hmm. that on that chart where you go, if, if it's too much, it's frustrating. If it's too easy, it's boring, right? You got to find that sweet spot of challenge. Do you find that same thing? You know, you get different athletes, different people. And hey, yeah, this, this person can take on a whole lot more and it's the sweet spot. But this mm-hmm. person, if I give him this many habits for mental performance, they're overwhelmed and actually crash and burn. You, have you found the same thing? 100% same thing. And that's that's where you're doing as a coach. I'm doing my assessment of and, and asking them throughout the process, is this too much? Can you handle more? Where do you feel like you're at? But the other thing that we do, okay, if I were to call the four-step player development formula or the four-step athlete development formula, if I was working in corporate, four-step person development formula. And this helps me identify what is the right amount for this person to do, what is too little, what is too much, okay? So step one, set your intention. What are your goals? What do you want to get out of this as the athlete? Step two, schedule it. Everything I want you to do from a drill standpoint, when are you going to do it? What's the trigger in your day? And usually that trigger is AM routine, PM routine, pre-game, pre-practice, post-game, post-practice. Those are the four times they have the most control. Step three, measure it. That's habit share. How often are you doing the things we're asking you to do? Step four, when we get back on our routine calls where we touch base every week or multiple times a week, we do a reflect and refocus. And my reflect and refocus is what did we do well in the last week? What do we want to do better? How are we going to do it moving forward? That how creates the game plan. Then we go back to saying, okay, here's the intention for the week. When are we going to do it? measure it. And that repeats the process and the process will adapt and adjust based off of is an athlete injured, the age of the athlete, the maturity of the athlete is the athlete in an eight week training camp for UFC title fight, or they just finished the title fight and they didn't want to go and get away for two months, right? Like where are they at? I love, I love this because man, you're speaking my language because the underlying behaviors, right? It's like whatever you want to insert on top of that, it's behavior change is behavior change. 100%. Right, so that's why you mentioned uh, uh, B.J. Fogg and, and Tiny Habits, and you got James Clear's Atomic Habits, and all those yeah. things that we can build these building blocks on. Now, like I, I love this because this is great, and this is like strategic and applicable. Um, another thing that, like, and again, these are the, these are things that pop up for me. Like, what are the cl- things that clients say the most? I struggle with discipline. I struggle with, you know, self control. So how when when somebody comes to you and, and they go like, look, Brian, like th- th- I struggle with the discipline part. They hear it discipline over motivation, right? Mm -hmm. But then it's like, okay, but how to, like, where do I start? Like, how do I build discipline? That's a question that pops up. That's for some people, they throw stuff in the ether, but I'm personally like, let's, let's break down the building blocks, right? How to do it. (laughs) Make your bed. (laughs) And literally there was an article that came out in spring training this year about Corbin Burns, who is the best pitcher in major league baseball. He's been an all-star 21, 22 Cy Young award winner with the Brewers in 21, right? When you win a Cy Young as a client of mine, you uh, you get a, you get a bobblehead in my office. So we got we got four Let's of go. these guys down here, right? <laughs> but the uh, uh, the article said how Corbin Burns became the best pitcher in baseball by making his bed, and and th- when you dig deeper into it, what it is is being willing to do the things you need to do, whether you feel like them or not, because not willpower, not discipline, system. System dominates discipline and willpower. And the system is literally behaviors attached to triggers in times of the day when I'm going to do it, right? And I get up, first thing I do, if my wife's not in the bed, is I make the bed. 
I walk in the bathroom. First thing I do is I go I go to the bathroom. I then I then take the tape off my mouth because I sleep with that. Thank you, uh, Patrick McKeown. I then brush my teeth. I then take my supplements. I get on the scale. I measure my body fat and my body weight. And then I get changed with my clothes laid out next to the sink. And then I walk into the gym and I do my morning mobility session as I listen to a couple key podcasts that I go through each morning. So it's it's not that doesn't require discipline. It doesn't require willpower. It requires me just following the system. And the system starts with my PM routine of going to bed around eight o'clock at night. And if I go to bed at eight o'clock at night, getting up at five, like is easy. If I'm staying up until midnight, watching a playoff hockey game, getting up at five becomes a little bit more problematic, right? That, that requires the discipline to get out of bed. But if I stay in my system, I don't necessarily need discipline. I just need to follow the system. Does that require discipline? It could, but requires more discipline is when I am, don't want to get out of bed because I'm exhausted. But then I have to ask myself the decision, is it actually worth me getting out of bed or should I really be in here trying to recover, right? So you get into that. But the questions I get the most often are, how do I compete with more confidence? How do I overcome adversity? How do I build mental toughness and mental performance? Because coaches are not teaching this. This is the missing link in high-level athletic performance, missing link. And one of the best things that people can do to get started is listen to my mental performance daily podcast. I got a podcast that's two to three minutes a day. I share a story or a strategy almost every day. Sometimes I'll have a coach that I'm working with. For example, after this call, I've got Amanda Borden, who is a 1996 US Olympic gymnast, was on the cover of Wheaties, right? She runs a gym of 2,500 gymnasts over here. So we're going to talk about mindset for competition as an athlete, business success. And I'll take our one-hour podcast and take the key snippets of things she says, roll those into my daily podcast. So if you just listen to Mental Performance Daily, you get stories from me, strategies. You also get story and strategy from other guests who I have on my long-form podcast. But ultimately, I think what people are looking for is give me something to do. Tell me what to do. I hear all the time with professional athletes, hey, the mental performance person in my organization, or I was talking to this life coach, mental coach, they told me I needed to do imagery. They told me I needed to meditate. They told me I needed to have a routine. And that's where it ends. Instead of going, no, this person sat down and walked me through meditation and made an audio recording and gave me the audio recording so I can listen to it. And they told me to listen to it at this point of the day, because that's when it fit best in my schedule, because they asked me to outline what their ideal day and schedule looks like. And they said, we can fit it in here and fit it in there. Now we just have to be consistent with it. And I set a reminder on my phone for this time to remind me to meditate until I developed the habit where I no longer needed the reminder. So too often... People say, hey, you got to do this, but they don't exactly walk you through how to do it, what to do it, how many sets, how many reps, the why behind it, and how it fits into that person's personal success system. But is, is it that too, like when you, you know, when you get athletes or any of the clients that they're like, hey, I want to build this. And then you look at their, I'm sure, I'm sure that one of the things that you do is go like, all right, let's go through your day. Like, what, what is it that you're doing right now? And then the things that they want, they're just not there. And maybe again, it is because, they don't know the how-to and you get very, very clear on the how-tos. But I mean, that's that's what I found, right? That's like the behaviors of the day don't match the intent of the goal that you want to achieve. And sometimes because it's fuzzy, like, you know, what should I be doing to develop discipline and, and mental yeah. focus and things of that nature, right? Yeah, it goes right back to the four-step goal formula or four-step player development formula. Set your intention. What do you want? Because if you want to, if you want to play on the PGA Tour, that's a lot different than I want to win my local club championship. Right, it's going to, your, your schedule is going to look a lot different. You want to play Major League Baseball? Your schedule is going to look a hell of a lot different than the guy who just wants to play in the local damn beer league, right? So, like, your intention is set first, and then you get your schedule. And the behaviors you have to have need to be scheduled. Then they have to be measured to actually create the clarity of, am I doing what I said I was going to do, right? It's so different than if you go to the gym and you never track your weights, and every way, every weight looks exactly the same. So we don't know the difference between looking at a 45 pound or a 35 pound. And if you pick those up, unless you're picking up at the same time, it's hard to differentiate the two for most people. So if every weight looked the same and you couldn't write down or track weights, you'd have no idea about your progress. And that's how people approach mental performance. Instead of saying, here's my, here's my goal. And here's what I want to accomplish. And I'm going to reverse engineer that goal. Let's call it from a telescope. My telescope goal is I want to play in the NFL or my telescope goal is I, I want to go from 240 with a 44 inch waist to 180 with a 32 inch waist and be below 10% body fat. Like I made that transformation. How did that transformation happen? 
I had a goal. I reverse engineered that goal. I had a nutrition plan. I had an exercise plan. I had an accountability partner. I had blood work done to make sure I was eating the right things to match up with the internal chemistry of my body. And I went to fucking work and it took work. And it took me probably a year and a half to get to where I wanted to be of not, not eating for taste, but eating for performance and got me to where I wanted to be. And then I've just maintained that. You know, but the thing, it doesn't, you, you, you can't set a goal. Like everyone talks about, oh, you got to have your BHAG, excuse my language, fuck your BHAG, take your BHAG <laughs> and reverse engineer it into a daily plan that you're going to follow to get you where you want to go. And unless you have that daily plan that you're going to execute, you don't have a process to trust. Everyone says, trust the process. I say, show me the process that you trust. Show me your plan. So you're not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. I love it, man. Now with, here's, here's the thing. Everybody's going to run into this. And I'm, sh I'm sure that some people actually probably reach out to you when they run into you said the word adversity because I'm, I'm a big fan of studying people that have and I've you know gone through a lot of shit everybody's gone a lot of shit in their life but yeah. I love studying people and that have like uh overcome adversity and seeing the kind of blueprint for getting out of that yeah. so like I, I'd love to hear you know when you get somebody that's like you know kind of face in the in a, in a dirt yeah, yeah. all down maybe even you know from some type of heights maybe they've had a lot of success then crashed and burned you know, what is the process there? Because I'm I'm sure there's a little bit more overcoming on that side of things or the resistance to get them out of that. Yeah. The first thing is gratitude. Hey, you just, hey, you just got injured. You're out for the entire season. You're in a year of arbitration where if you had played well, you would have got a massive contract. Now you're probably going to make less money. Beautiful. What are you grateful for? Because what happens is when people get negative and they get, or they, or they feel entitled or they feel, woe is me, feeling sorry for myself. The first thing we have to tap into is the power of gratitude. What are you grateful for? Let's start there. Because once you are once you have gratitude and you're focused on what you do have instead of what you don't have, now you can actually make a plan to go get what you want. So we start there. The other thing we look at is saying adversity is your advantage. We make your mess your masterpiece and failure is fuel for future success. So let's get to work with a plan. Luca, 70% of the athletes that I start working with at the professional level, they come here because they're hurt, frustrated, and don't know what to do. Like knowing what to do in the sense of they're like, I, I got all this time now and I can't move. I got an injury in my arm. I'm stuck. In, that's why I, part of why I moved to Arizona. I'm in Arizona. I'm an injured baseball player. And I, they got me at the spring training complex. And I go in and I'm moving my arm like this. I'm there for an hour. They send me home. I can't play golf. I don't know what to do. I know I'm not going to go to the bar every day, which is often what they used to do. And now guys are like, tell me what to do. So what do I do? I give them the 30-day athletes program. I say, look, this opportunity you have right now of you dealing with this injury for the next two months is going to be the greatest thing to ever happen to you for your career. Change perspective. And when you change their perspective because you say, you're going to go through this and you have more time now to explore the most important aspect of mental performance and the missing link to your performance, you would have never done it had you not gotten hurt. And now that you're hurt, let's put up a plan. Let's give you something to do every day. We can double down on mental performance because you have the time. And when you get back, you will come back better than you were before. And when you come back, the organization is going to have someone that they point out. They're going to have someone in the history of the athletic trainer's career, the strength coach's career, that they're going to use as a reference point in their coaching to say, that's what it looks like. That's how you attack a rehab. That's how you maximize your time. That's how you build an elite mindset. That's how you don't feel sorry for yourself. That's what you need to do. So why not? It's like, why it's not like you? Be the, be, be the fucking example. I love that. Be the example that. in the organization where people go, that's the motherfucker that shows us what it looks like. And when you can be that guy and you take that ownership or that gal and you take that ownership and you set the standard and you have a plan and you just don't feel sorry for yourself because you're counteracting that with gratitude in a plan, it's still going to be hard. It's just not going to, it's just not going to be like allowing you to slip into a state of depression, right? And often where depression and anxiety come from, and I'm going to generalize here. So anxiety often comes from when I'm obsessed with the future, I can't control what's going to happen. Am I going to come back? Are they going to put me to AAA? Am I going to be back in the big leagues? Am I going to be able to throw as hard as I want to? Here comes the anxiety uncontrollable future. We'll fucking find out when we get there. Let's do the work today. Or the depression that comes from, man, shoulda, woulda, coulda. If I only had gone to this coach first earlier, I wouldn't have gotten hurt. I wouldn't have done that. Depression comes from being obsessed with the past. You can't do anything about it anymore. So we have to stand where our feet are 
present moment focus and awareness to be right here right now having a time management schedule to know what should i be doing right now because i've structured that allows me to perform optimally because i'm in the present moment i'm not getting caught in the future i can't control not going back to a past i can't do shit about i'm going to be right here right now dominating the day doing what i can with where i'm at man and see the thing is because that's the thing that gets thrown in the ether a lot of you basically explained it really well that like the practice of being present you know be where your feet are yeah it's like if you're not putting in that you know I'm, I'm, i go back to basketball because that was my sport and i you know for such a long time it's like you want to be better at like left-handed hook shots and you don't practice them you know you're not going to be better but you're you want to be better at presence but you're not practicing presence Amen. Amen. But, you know, it's, it's not going to happen. And, you know, one of the things that I'm big on and I, I want to see how you essentially kind of coach this part of it is the environment part. And I know one of the pillars is, you know, having the right culture, but environment triggers behaviors. And I think it's such an important part of culture. Do, do you, um, as a coach, people on basically building their environments as best as they can? Because obviously sometimes we can't, you know, we can't just shift where we live, maybe. Uh, but how much uh, do you put, I would say, value in that and emphasis on that? Massive, massive, and massive in terms of, of building the right culture around you. And for a coach listening to this, the culture in your gym, the culture on your team, but for the individual athlete, the culture you surround yourself with, right? Like you become, they say you become the average of the five people you associate with most. Well, you also become the average of the five things you do most. So if the people you're around, the environments you're in and what you're doing is what elite people do, you're going to go up. If it's what average people do, you're going to remain average. If you're in an environment where people are not, if you're the most motivated guy in your gym or on your team, you got to get the hell out of there. You got to go swim with sharks. And I'm going through a book right now, Luca, and, and I don't often, I often reference books. I don't often recommend books. I recommend books that have changed in my life. And one of them, obviously, I recommended was Heads Up Baseball. The other one, I'm going to give a shout out. Is, is a book I'm going through right now that I'm using with every one of the athletes I work with. And I want to share this with you is if you look at the cover, you'll see here's the athlete's name I'm working with. Here's the number of chapters. When I get on a call with that athlete and we talk about that chapter, I put the date right there. So I can see all the athletes I'm reading this book with who I sent this book to. I know exactly where they're at. We're going to get through it together. It creates accountability for me and it creates an organizational system where I know who's read it and who's gone through and where they're at. So the book is called The Practice of Groundedness by Brad Stolberg. Oh man, I literally just had him on me and Brad being ripping Did you? back and forth. Yeah. Oh, dude, Phenomenal you gotta get me you gotta get me connected because I wanna I wanna I wanna meet this Hell cat. Yeah. Hell yeah, I got you. And um you know, he talks about the six ways to be grounded, right? And it's number one, accept where you are to get where you want to go. Number two, be present so you can own your attention and energy. And when you talk about being present so you can own your attention and energy, he gives you four drills that you can do. He calls them four practices. I would call them drills, same thing, things you can do. And the two that stuck out to me, right? I go through and my goal is I take one from each, star it, and I go to work on it. And the two that I'm going to work on are one, meditation, right? Which every Sunday in my podcast, I do a meditation. Uh, personally, I try to meditate. I say I try to meditate every day and I'm inconsistent with it. And the reason why I'm inconsistent with it is I don't have a trigger. The trigger was the morning routine, but I don't want to sit. I want to get up and go. I like yep, to move, same. right? So my, my meditation needs to be, at the end of my workday, I sit for five minutes against the wall and breathe before I go in to see my daughter. But at the end of the day, I want to go see my kid and get an extra five minutes because I'm traveling too much. So most of my meditation happens on planes. Most of my meditation might happen if no one else is around and I'm on the road by myself before I would like shower and go into my day. But home, I just accept that the five minutes of meditation, I'm either going to put into movement or I'm going to put into time with my daughter. But we'll figure that piece out as I get better with my structure of what's the trigger for my, my meditation. The second piece, he says in there, is creating the environment. So the environment for success, no, I, no, no TV out of my office, nothing on my desk. Like I have right now that the heads up baseball and the practice are grounded on my desk and it's bugging me because there's nothing on my desk when I work. So I'm going to put it over <laughs> here. You know, it's behind me and I don't see it, right? So I want to have that environment for success. I want to have pictures up on the wall of, I have a wall of mentors. This is a great idea for people. I picked it up from Brian Johnson of Heroic. A wall of mentors. People who I look at that when I look at them, it provides inspiration for me. For example, there's George St. Pierre. There's Corbin Burns. There's Connor Murphy with the Chicago Blackhawks. There's my mother who's passed away. Harvey Dorfman who's passed away. Ken Revisa who's passed away. My high school football coach. My brother who's passed away. My wife my daughter. And when I look at these people, I get fired up because it's like, that's who I'm working for. 
I have to be to their standard. I have to honor these guys that paved the way in mental performance for me to carry the fucking torch and bring it to people through the certification or through my work to bring what Ken Revisa and Harvey Dorfman started and let me take it and expand on what they were doing and bring it to other people. That's my objective and my mission in life. So my environment, when I stand in here, like it's hard for me to leave because there's so much juice inside of this room, man. You know, it's like hard for me to walk out of here. But when I do, I'm usually on fire and juiceful because I've created this environment to be one that allows me to flourish. Not all environments are that way, uh, but you have to work with what you have. You have to control what you can control and you have to take ownership of your environment, right? Just starting by making your damn bed. I love this. You got me, listen, I'm a person that's very fired up. I'm also very caffeinated, but you get me fired up though. <laughs> and it's crazy I, because I, I will definitely, I'll definitely connect you guys. That book actually was a tr uh, triggering for me because I'm a, uh, a bit of a workaholic. And when I say a bit, I mean a lot. So there's stuff that like slapped me in the face. And that's why I was such, you know, yeah. And it was, it was a very powerful book in a sense of like, Hey, how do, how do I become more effective and, and make sure that I, I ground myself as much as I need to. So I, I love that. You love that. But that's actually all because this is what always intrigues me too. When people that I learn from that I look to and like, what are you, like, what are you fired up about learning right now? You know, what's the stuff that you're like, man, I'm digging deeper into this. I, I mean, obviously uh, that book and groundedness is one, but is there something else yeah. that you're like, you know what? Like there was something that spurred me to want to learn more about, you know, X, Y, Z topic that you're diving into right now. Boundaries. Boundaries, mm -hmm. present, grounded. I've been the guy who says yes to everything. And I say mm -hmm. yes to everything because I love, I, I, I'm not working, right? There's four stages of commitment. I do a job. I do work. I got a career. I'm living a mission. I'm living a mission. So it is really hard for me to say no. Um, I love people. I love coaching. If I had three days left to live, this is what I want to do. Now that I have a 13-month-old daughter with another child coming in August, it's the first time where I've now had to kind of reflect and go, oh shit, every time I say yes to something, I'm saying no to something else. And I've said, and I say no to my fitness and my family. Those are the things I'm saying no to. And I'm not willing to do that anymore. So I, and where I'm struggling is that, that struggling is how do I take, how do I, how do I, how do I say this? Um, setting the threshold of if you're going to work with me, it's going to be with these parameters, whether it's a dollar amount or whatever it is, a commitment amount, right? And then there's people that go, man, I just can't afford that. And it's like, okay, well now how do I still serve you? And I have the team of mental performance coaches, certified mental performance coaches. It's why I created the certification because I knew this day was coming where the field of mental performance is exploding. I feel like I'm trying to lead that. I'm also, I call myself the general and the janitor in Ken Revis's army. I'm trying to be the general leading the fucking troops going, this is how we do it. Let's go get it done. Just watch me come see how we do this because I'm living what Kenny taught me to do. But I'm also the janitor who's willing to clean the toilets and do whatever it takes to expand the field. So I'm trying to, to set a like a threshold to go, how many hours can I actually work that allow me to live the lifestyle I want? So lifestyle design, thank you, Tim Ferriss, is like, here's the hours on work. I don't want to travel. I want to do it here. People are willing to come to me. I can go anywhere in the world in a day in Zoom. How do I now make this work where I can still serve the bigger population by having a team of coaches that allow me to coach them to make the biggest global impact, but also then do the work I love with high performers. So that's the thing I'm kind of studying. So I guess you could call it building to scale, creating boundaries, um, lifestyle design, that's sort of the stuff I'm looking at. But with the reason why Brad's book has hit me so much is the, is the practice of being grounded is from in order for me to do that, I have to be present. And in order for me to do that, I have to slow down enough. I mean, Luca, mm -hmm. I schedule every minute of my day. Every minute has a task. The problem is every minute gets assigned to a task of coaching or doing something instead of me, what I need to do, right? The next big rock for me is schedule deep work time where I'm not available to anybody. And I'm literally mapping out and crafting. What does my future look like? What do I want my 2003, four school year, my wife works in school years. What do I want that to look like? Who do I want to work with? What do I want to make? Where do I want that to come from? How am I going to create a team that can serve everybody who I no longer am going to be able to? How do we build this to scale to impact the most amount of people on the fucking planet? Because my mission in life is to educate, empower, and energize other people to be their best through living and teaching the 10 pillars of mental performance, and I can't do it alone. So it's why we need mental performance coaches to get certified so we can create an army and go out there and serve, man. Yo, this is, I, I, I swear you're speaking. It's like a mirror. 
because <laughs> it's it's a very similar phase for me. It's like yeah. more and more strategy, more outreach, but without, you know, I mean, I, I was on the road five weeks in a row, come back, coach. I mean, it's, it's, it's craziness, but again, I'm on a mission, but yeah. it, it, I think that's why that book was uh, uh, for both of us. Uh, yeah. I think, and that's why I also asked you this because you're, you're saying stuff and I'm like, yep, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and to Brad's point, right? It's that book's not for people who are average. That book is for high performers, right? And when I read that book, and he says, "Do one less rep," that hit me in the face like a jackhammer, right? And it was like, "Do one less rep." Whoa! And every athlete that's reading that book's like, "Yeah, dude, that guy's onto something," right? Because we're always taught, "Oh, do one more, grind, go harder. If more is good, more is better." And to a certain degree, it is. Yes. But what got you here will not get you there. Right. That's that's the that's the answer, I think, is that like when you've got through, when you're the one more rep guy for, for a long period of time, yeah, one less rep might be the thing that takes you to the next level. Correct. Right. And and that's that's what I got from it. But but for somebody that's starting off, that's like, ah, you know what? I'm just like, no, 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 you gotta do one fucking more rep. And like in, in eight to 10 years, I'm going to give you this book to read. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. It's like, yeah, hundred percent, you know? So, so his book has hit me a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to having him as an opportunity to interview him and learn some of the shit that he's talking about. Cause it's blowing my mind. Well, man, I'm, I'm definitely going to connect you guys. 100%. I know you're on a time crunch, but you definitely yoded this episode, man. Hey, baby, uh, first of all, <laughs> I, where can everybody find out about you? Uh, the certification, uh, yep. 30 day course. Uh, those are all phenomenal, by the way, yep. like huge stamp of approval from me. So thank you. Yeah. Best place. Just go to briancane.com, B-R-I-A-N-C-A-I-N.com. And when you're there, I have a three, I have, I have a free course for coaches, a free course for athletes. So if you go to free courses, you'll see those on there. It's a three-day course. I explain the whole 10 pillars. The, I, I give you my best drills to develop the skills to create that skill set. So it's all right there. Once you go through those, if you want more and you're an athlete, check out my 30-day athletes course. If you're a coach and you want more and you want to join me on the mission to certify 10,000 coaches who each touch 1,000 lives, so together we impact 10 million people, check out my coach's certification course, which we only open twice a year, but we're opening this month in May. So you can get on the insiders list at briancane.com by clicking on certification. Check out the the, the um, three-day coaches course first. And then ultimately, if you want to stay with me, because I'm a big believer in spaced repetition is the mother of acquisition. If you want to learn anything, check out the mental performance daily podcast, three minutes a day. And you can, um, you can get that, you know, on Spotify, get that on Apple, just search Brian Kane in your podcast. And I have two, a white one, which is long form and then mental performance daily, uh, that you can, the, the white one is mental performance mastery podcast. And the mental performance daily podcast is the short form. You know, I, I talk always about getting into the mental weight room if you, you know, and I share some strategies, but if you really want to go hit the weights, I mean, this is what you got to do, like follow, follow Brian. And, and I would say get involved with some of the programs because they are absolutely top notch. Brother, appreciate it. This was phenomenal. Yeah. Thank uh, you, man. It's an obsession. You know, it's an obsession and, and I'm here to serve, you know, like you ain't taking any of this shit with you to the grave. So while you're here, serve and touch as many fucking lives as you can. Let's go. Listen, make sure you share this episode. If you got a lot out of it, this is how people spread the word. This is how we spread the word of mental performance. And I'll see you guys in the next episode of Vigor Life Podcast. Peace out, my friends.